everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront Red Show. This is episode number 509 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcasts, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Merv Rettenmund. I'm your host, Nate Dotson. While uh, Chad Dotson is still mourning the loss of one Joseph Daniel Votto, with me this week are a couple familiar faces. We'll start out with up top, Bill Lack. How are you? The podfather himself. Doing great. I rem- And I'm one of the few guys still around that can remember Merv Rettman playing for the Reds. <laughs> His name popped up. I'm not going to pretend like I knew who he was until I did a little research. And then, also, you, did- and then you didn't remember the guy they traded for him. <laughs> listen. I can be forgiven once or twice. There you go. <laughs> also you with go. us this week is the uh, the creator of RedReporter.com and one of the best Twitter follows in the universe, Wick Terrell. How's it going, Wick? I'm doing great. We are uh, recording on Adam Dunn's 44th birthday, so I feel extra bad that Chad's not here tonight. So uh, shout out to Chad on his uh, uh, the, the big donkey's 44th and um, uh, this this 535-foot home run is for him. So. 100%. Happy birthday to Adam Dunn. <laughs> He's now as old as his number. He is. That's right. That's right. Guys, <laughs> I firstly just want to thank you both for being here. I know it must have been difficult to tear yourselves away from this epic Thursday night football clash <laughs> between the Chicago Bears and who are they playing? This Carolina, garbage. I think. Carolina. Yeah. Garbage. Which the Bears have. It's a win-win for the Bears if they win. They knock Carolina down first because they have Carolina's number one draft pick. Ooh. They do. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Awesome. Well, before we go any further, uh, head over to YouTube and or your favorite podcast app. Give us a subscribe, like, or follow. You know, we hate to ask, but we got to do it. Uh, speaking of things that we are appreciative of, our Patreon community, we would not be able to do this without the support of y'all. And if anybody wants to join that family, go a little deeper, help keep this ship afloat, head on over to patreon.com slash and you two can join the family. All right. So this is the first podcast we are recording since we got that. I won't call it dreadful news, though. I personally think it's pretty dreadful since the Reds announced they're not picking up Joey Votto's option. I think it's fair to say that we all kind of saw it coming. Um, the conversation online over those first 24, 36 hours was pretty brutal. Some of us got yelled at by Marty Brenneman, which I think officially makes me a part of the Riverfront family. I think that, I mean, that's a badge of honor, man. I'd, I'd wear that on, on a medal on front of my shirt. You know, it's it's been a while since I've been yelled at by Marty, but it's uh yeah, I remember the the first time and the second and third and fourth times. <laughs> it, it happens often, man. It really does. So I've got catching up to do. I must not be out there often enough because I've never been yelled at by Marty. So I, I feel kind of left out here, you know. <laughs> There's still time, Bill. Well, uh, right. <laughs> you know, now that we're a bit removed, um, the dust has settled a little bit. I wanted to just go around and get your all's thoughts on if, whether it just be how you feel about how it was handled. Um, just want to reflect on Joey's career for a couple minutes. Just have a moment where we can all talk about what is, you know, not even questionably. Well, for Bill, it might be, but for Wick and I, the greatest Cincinnati Red of our lifetime, I think. Uh, Bill, you want to go first? Yeah. I- I was initially, I wasn't surprised, disappointed a little bit, I, you know, but not surprised. But I was really angry with the way the Reds did it. It was a Saturday, you know, Saturday morning news dump. Um, you know, as, as they said on West Wing, it's kind of like take out the trash day. You know, all the stuff you don't want anybody to pay any attention to. That's when you do it. But then when you read later that Joey was out of the country, apparently, and they were waiting for him to get back and they wanted to talk to him and like give him a chance to talk, tell his family, that kind of thing. 
And the fact that Joe, and now whether this was Joey being honest or Joey just being a good citizen, he seemed to handle it well. He said, you know, the Reds did what they should have done, and he didn't seem to have any problem with it. If Joey doesn't have a problem with it, I don't think I should have a problem with it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I don't think that Joey would ever handle it any other way than he did with the utmost class. Um, I have a reason to believe that he knew about it several days in advance of the announcement. I would hope so. Um, I just, for me, it was, it it seemed like they knew this was going to be the case. And I feel like with that said, whether Joey wanted it or not, this could have been handled in a way that paid respect, respects to such a franchise icon allowed us to come to terms with it during that last home series, which the fans took upon themselves, which was incredible. Um, that was my big grievance. I get it being difficult to find playing time for him. Now, I also have the opinion that they had the money, pick up the damn option, and he doesn't have a choice. He has to play for the Reds, even if it's in a part-time role. But that's just me being selfish. Wick, you had two really, really great articles over at redreporter.com. Uh, one right after that last home series, and then another a couple days after the news when you sort of put your thoughts out there. How have you been feeling now that it's been even a few days past that? Like you, this was, you, you tell that story so well, how you, he was part of the crop of players that got you back into baseball. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's, I, I think that's, that's the selfish part of me coming out here is it's me as my baseball fandom, as much as it is about Joey Votto and the Reds themselves is that, you know, it's it's finality on the fact that the 2010 and 2012 Reds didn't turn into anything. You know, there were 38 guys who played in 2012, 44 guys who played on, in 2010. Um, none of them are under contract right now. You know, Roldis Chapman's a free agent who will get signed somewhere this winter. And then there's Joey. And that's it. Everybody else is out of baseball at this point. So it it, it calls time on that era of Reds baseball, which, mm-hmm. you know, for a time had so much promise. You know, you, I, I got into following baseball on the internet in 2006, 2007 ish, because those prospects were coming up. And I've been a Reds fan since I was little, but I never followed prospects like that because the Reds hadn't had prospects like that in quite a while. And to be able to not just follow baseball players the way we did when we were kids, when you read a box score and you check in the next day and see how things were. And then you wait 24 hours and do it again and hope somebody writes an article um, you know, Joey was part of a crop of players that you could follow every single thing they did every single minute of every day. You could watch every at bat and every single letter, letter level of the minor leagues. You could see who uh, who the Reds were trading for and why they were trading away different players uh, for different positions because they were going to build around these guys. You could watch highlights. You could get interviews, all that stuff. You could consume the way he was part of the Cincinnati Reds for his entire career. You know, and um, he was really the first player that we got a chance to do that with. And now he's not here anymore. And so much of what Red Reporter is and became came up with the fact that it was Joey and Jay and and Johnny and Homer and and that entire crew that was kind of bringing the Reds back. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was the last one standing for that. And so for me, it was that was the selfish reaction to it, which was, oh, man, like I lost. I lost that connection to how I used to follow baseball before that. And, and he kind of revolutioned that it revolutionized that entire way that, that, that we now follow the baseball players that we follow every single day. And so that, that, that was tough. And then, you know, it's uh, the second aspect of it was watching the video he, he filmed in front of the trees and uh, mm-hmm. the chair and everything else. That was not a polished Joey Votto video. 
you know, he produces for social media some very polished videos, the whole bus driver thing, uh, the whole shtick when he was doing even several years ago, uh, the Canadian Mountie uh, themed interview <laughs> with the movie network. He's very calculated and orchestrated about a lot of the stuff that he puts out there. You could tell when he was doing that, he knew he had to say something and he didn't have the words to say what I think he feel really felt, which um, to me, he that was, he was struggling at times. There's, there was no doubt in that video. He was struggling. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, yeah, you, you know, the writings on the wall because of the numbers, both on the back of the baseball card and on the, the, the commas on the contract. But for him, it was kind of some finality that I think he hadn't had a chance to really truly process yet. And so for me, like emotionally, it was like, Oh man, like he, he wanted to come back next year and show that, the shoulder and the bicep are one year further removed from major surgery. And, you know, on top of that, like he wasn't terrible last year. He, he slugged 433. He slugged basically with Xander Bogarts and uh, yeah. Oscar Hernandez slugged last year. And everybody wants to sign Tay Oscar for three years and 30 million. Like he wasn't terrible last year. And we're going to see guys like Kevin Newman or Nick Bartini get plate appearances for the Reds next year. Wow. So, um, you know, Nick. there's, Martin. There's not an everyday role for Joey Votto, but you still kind of thought, hey, there there could have been a way where both sides could have handled this a whole lot better. And uh, you only get one chance to really kind of break away from a Hall of Famer. And I just feel like it could have been it could have gone a whole lot better than it did. You know, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm glad you brought up the uh, that video he shot, because one of the things that is endeared myself and most fans, I think, to Joe is that he was very closed off, very reserved for the early part of his career, the beginning yeah. and the middle of it. The way that he opened up these last few years and let the city, let these fans get to know a side of him. Now, he had to be, just like you said, really calculated in what he did because that was the only way he was going to be able to get his personality out there. Yeah. And it, didn't, it didn't seem natural to him just to go off the cuff like it is for some people. But he wanted to share that side of himself with the fans. Um, with the city of Cincinnati. And you're right. That last little video he sent, it was emotional. And oh. you can't be a fan of this ball club without feeling a little bit of something during that video. You now, know, the, 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 but, when, when his, he, his approach to the media and approach to the fans changed, and I don't know if one had anything to do with the other, but thinking back my memory, it seemed to have happened about the time his father passed away mm-hmm. is when his his, his – Demeanor, I, I don't know, demeanor change is right, the, the right word, but the, the more, the t- when he seemed to be making more of an effort to connect with the fans. Perspective, I think. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, wearing his emotions on his sleeve a little bit more, and I think that we all certainly appreciated it. You know, Wick, you pointed out something. I was going to say this is my favorite stat that you mentioned, but it's actually my absolute least favorite stat that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> you, you talk about it, uh, closing the chapter on that generation of Reds teams, which is for me. You know, I was five years old during the 1990 World Series. I don't really count that. I don't remember a pitch other than what I watched much later. You know, those were the best Reds teams of my lifetime, that 2010 through 2013 teams, which is not awesome. But we think of the Big Red Machine, 75 and 76 World Series champions. And then 1990, that's when you know, it seems like this big giant gap between success. The 80s were rough for a lot of Reds fans. It was 14 years. We've had that twice and then some since the Reds had any like significant playoff success. 
And we say it on here all the time, be a fan however you want, but please don't understand why we get so frustrated and why we really, really feel the little things, why we root for the little things, such as a Joey Votto proper send-off. It's because we haven't had the playoff success <laughs> to lean on. This I, is uh, the happiness. About, and you're talking about success. It wasn't – I mean, it was 14 years between division championships, but the four years before 1990, they finished second, and we're yep. in the hunt late every year. Yep. Yep. So those were so, competitive teams. I, uh, I catch flack on Twitter all the time because I – uh, I, I have a, a I keep it saved on my my desktop uh, uh, a picture of Buster Posey hitting a very well timed grand slam and Ryan Hannigan's frustrated reaction in the background. That was the that was the best time in the last twenty seven years. That was the that was the highlight. They were up to nothing, yeah, and up what three runs or two runs in that game before that swing. That literally that ball had not hit the seats yet. That those runs had not counted. That was the that was the highlight of the last 27 years. Those were the good times. Um, yeah. And so to, to ignore the frustrations of that entire window um, and uh, uh, still not celebrate the guy who was hands down the best part of that window. Um, it just seems, it seems a little uh, narrow sided by uh, the powers that be. And I, admittedly, I have no idea how much Joey pushed back on saying anything about don't celebrate me don't acknowledge it i'm playing next year i don't care if it's for you or for anybody else screw you guys i'm signing so- like he could have been like that i i, mm-hmm. I don't know that's a good but point still you, you you think there had to have been a way to handle it a little bit better than um you know uh, uh the noon kickoffs on saturday in football country are happening in about five minutes we're gonna go ahead and tell everybody joey Biles is not gonna be a red next year so yeah. yeah just it just it rubbed me the rubbed me the wrong way from a franchise that has rubbed me the wrong way a lot over the last well he got drafted in what 2002 and there's been a lot of rubbing the wrong way for the last 21 <laughs> years <laughs> that's right well um yeah this this chapter's closed i hope that they uh you know nick carl did come out and say that the Door is not completely closed. He's not closing the door on anything or his exact words. So there is still a chance. The words he said all around those did not make it seem like there is really a chance. It would have to be one of those nobody wants to sign the guy and he's willing to come back in a bit roll. I don't see that happening, but I'm going to hold out a little bit of hope as long as I can. Um, let's go around real quick and just say off the top of our heads, one of one or more of your favorite Joey moments on the field. Bill, you want to start? A couple of things about Joey. One is is you said, you know, he's not the best Reds player I've ever seen. He's the best Reds hitter I've ever seen mm-hmm. in, my, in my life. In my life, Joe, the guys that I remember, I, I, you know, Frank Robinson was in my lifetime, but I don't remember seeing him play for the Reds. But Joe, I've never seen a player as good as Joe Morgan was at 75 and 76. Bar none. Listen, it's Adam Dunn's birthday. How dare you? <laughs> I, also, I also remember the first time I saw Joey play was in Sarasota playing – High A ball. I don't even remember what year it was because we used to vacation in, in Siesta Key, so I used to we used to go to the ball game all the time. Oh yeah, I, I forget that he spanned the uh, uh, the spring training facility down mm-hmm. in, uh, at Ed Smith. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, what a dump that place was. <laughs> I once I passed out drunk in the outfield. It was amazing. <laughs> the uh, seats behind the outfield. Sometimes I have to tell my Matt Clinker story about about Ed Smith when we went down there and saw Matt pitch at Ed Smith Stadium and he got rocked. And I get back to the car and like I got a text him like I left my phone in the car. 
and, and Matt got hit by three comebackers in four innings. Oh, no. <laughs> and I get to the car and I look at my text message and he goes, and it's got a text from Matt. He said, nothing bruised but my ego. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my favorite Joey memory is probably, there's so many, but the two that, that stand out are the home run streak, mm-hmm. you know, and then the first at bat this year when he came off the DL. Yeah, if I'm not going to let recency bias get in the way, him coming off the deal and hitting that home run was one of the uh, – One the ovation he got. Yeah, one of the most fun, exciting moments of my Reds fandom, which is saying a lot. Uh, Wick, what do you got? I apologize for the uh, the blank stare on my face right now, but I switched tabs and I'm trying to make sure I've got uh, what it is I'm trying to say uh, somewhat accurate. And I am, once again, uh, shout out to the guys at, at, at Baseball Reference. I'm looking through this real quick. Um, I want to say it was the second half of 2016. It was 2015 or 2016 when he just went nuclear in the second half and hit over 400 mm-hmm. uh, with a, oh, a five, 570 on base percentage. Um, there was an innocuous at bat. I want to say it was the top of the ninth in a game against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. And the Reds were already up 6-2, 7-2, something like that. And he had worked a 3-2 count after being down 0-2 and fouled off a pitch or two or pitch two or pitch two. And you could tell he knew exactly what was coming and stepped up in the batter's box. Like literally as the, the pitcher was winding up, this is back when he choked up too. So he's choked up and he literally just like takes a little Hal Morris, like half step up in the batter's box as the pitch is coming and just spanks up his classic left center field, half opposite way home run 12 rows deep in Wrigley. And you could just see the entire, Everybody in the stands just grown, and he, you, it just, it was him knowing more than everybody mm-hmm. else who was playing the game that day knew, and just got himself into that position where he's like, if this guy, if, if I, if I just get him where he, he thinks he can sneak this one pitch by me, I'm gonna park it as far as I can, and he did it, and like the moment he hit it, it was just, it was the most squared up, like, it's almost like he stopped swinging halfway through because he's like, all I gotta mm-hmm. do, I guess the barrel's gonna take, take care of it, and it was a masterful performance from somebody who at that point in time had better control of not just the strike zone, but he had control of the pitchers. Mm -hmm. I mean, he knew what they were throwing and where they were going to throw it and what count he was in. And it was the most impressive plate appearance I'd ever watched before in my life. And chess uh, and checkers things. Yeah, Yeah. literally it was chess. It was chess and checkers. And, you know, speaking of, I don't want to go back to yelling about Joey Fon and not being on the 2024 Reds anymore, but you listen to Will Benson Dan, talk. This is a listen, safe space. You listen to Will Benson talk about his approach at the plate mm-hmm. and what Joey did for him talking about that. And the two of them played chess against each other. They, they still play chess against each other. It's, it's a mindset about how you approach a one-on-one pitcher versus mm-hmm. batter thing, which there's no other professional sport that's like that except tennis. That's why, why baseball is the best. Every single moment is a yeah. mini. It's a mini battle between yeah. you and the other person. Every like tennis, tennis is the only other one where how the other person hits the ball towards you dictates how what you can do. And it, it he just he, he revolutionized the way I think about the game because I've never seen somebody. I mean, I'm sure other players have thought the way that he did, but none of them were good enough to actually act on it the way that he did. Also, and it's it just it was mind control, and that 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 will yeah. that will forever go down as my favorite Joey Votto moment. A hundred percent. I truly hope that when he eventually does retire, and I'm 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 here for that not being for several years. I would love to see him go be awesome for somebody for a couple more. That we start getting those stories 
And there, a few of them have leaked out over the years, but a few of those stories from the pitchers, what it was like to ah. face Joey Votto, what preparing for him in his prime was like, and the fear that he instilled just because, you know, you get down, there's guys that pitchers look at him and they're like, I know he can't hit my curveball. I know he can't hit my slider. If I pitch him up and in with the fast stuff, he's got no chance. Seven, eight, nine hitters with great pitchers. Like, I can take it easy. Still going to get these guys out. Joey Votto had to be one of the toughest outs in the history of Major League Baseball. Yeah. And, yeah. man, I, uh, I'm i going to miss that guy. Wick, you brought up that home run against the Cubs, which is one of 50 that he hit against the Cubs. Is that is all? <laughs> an obscene number of home runs against one team. Um, a couple that I want to throw out. Um, I forgot about this one until I was doing a little research. The, uh, the, the bird grand slam when he hit a grand slam against the tigers, Matthew Boyd, after a bird landed about 10 feet in front of him at home plate, Let's go back and find some video on that one. The bird just lands on the ground. He says, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to hit a grand slam. It's fine. <laughs> um, and then, uh, there was June 9th, 2015 when he hit, uh, three home runs on three consecutive pitches. If ever you needed evidence of what being in the zone looks like go back and check that out and then finally what in my opinion is probably the most famous the uh may 13th 2012 when he hit three home runs and a walk-off grand slam on mother's day mother's day yeah the only time as far as i could find in major league history that a three homer name is three homer game has ended with a grand slam so we could probably, and maybe we should, once we have Chad back and like to get Carlos uh, <laughs> on here, just have an entire Joey Votto appreciation podcast. Uh, you guys, please both join. We'll get Jason Linden back in the fold. Oh, that'd be fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm still not quite over. I'm wearing my Appreciate 19 t shirt. Uh, but I've been wearing a lot more often, sleep in it, wear it to work, start to stink a little bit. Got fired today. No big deal. Do you, um, do you know what Joey's stat line was with runners in scoring position? First no. career? I gave this a couple weeks ago when I was on with Chad. With runners in scoring position, 321, 468, 574. <laughs> so 47% of the time, 47% of the time when he walked to the plate with a runner in scoring position, he did not make an out in a game that yeah. requires the other team to get 27 outs. That's 46% of the time. And uh, for, former broadcasters who like to yell at me on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Former broadcasters that like to yell at me on Twitter would have said that he's not clutch. Third, third uh, Runner on third with two out. 255, 441, 531. Jesus. Right, Joey, we're going to miss you, man. Um, Thank you for everything he did over the years. I can't imagine he listens to this podcast, but if you happen to come across it, hey, he's got more free time now than he otherwise would. You know, maybe, maybe he hey, does. And Joey, if you're ever listening, you're welcome to come on anytime you <laughs> anytime would like. You want, you can have the show if you want to. Just, just give it to you. We will, we will, we will be at your convenience <laughs> to do this. A hundred percent. Appreciate. Like Hacksaw Jim Duggan running in from the uh, uh, the the rafters for WrestleMania, I was like, "Are you are you guys buzzing Joey in right now? What's going on?" <laughs> yeah, well, that would have been cool. Save that for another uh, <laughs> another off season podcast. All right, so I guess there's a few other things we can touch on. Free agency is firmly underway. The uh, the GM meetings are going on right now. There's been a little bit of scuttlebutt. From that side of the coin, it seems like the Reds, much like every other team in Major League Baseball, wants more pitching. 
So if you thought the Reds were just going to go and, and have their pick of the litter of the uh, top free agent arms, doesn't seem to be the case. I think I saw that 21 other clubs are looking for um, mid-rotation or better starting pitching. So good luck out there. For me, the biggest news out of free agency so far, out of the GM meetings, is that apparently there's like a stomach bug going around and they had to shut it down a day early because everybody had the uh, – I won't. I won't the lie. Box. When you said when you started with scuttlebutt, I was wondering where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> there was there was some butt scuttling at the yeah GM yeah. Oh, and some bad man. oysters at the uh, at the <laughs> at the bar, you know, and everybody I came down with a stomach flu. I sort of throw it out there as a PSA. After we've uh, come out the other end of this whole COVID thing, wash your hands, people. Just wash your Just hands. Wash your hands. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so. As we're getting on this, I, I like baseball how it's different. Like, if you go to NBA free agency, they're announcing things at midnight. Like, as soon as, as, as they can, moves are being made. Baseball takes a little bit longer. So, is there anyone, uh, Wick, that you would like the Reds to target? I know it's a difficult question to answer considering that everybody's going for the same thing. But Yeah, yeah that, that's that's the thing. And, you know, I started I started kind of parsing back through things. And, and you know, looking at the, the, the bigger picture, this is where I think uh, – the Nick crawl sustainability talk really gets tested because mm -hmm. they had great pitching and now they've got great position prospects flush. You know, that's what happens when you trade great pitching. They're going to have three guys who are going to finish in the top eight of the ALSI young voting. I hope you have good guys you traded them for, but now you need three guys who can finish in the top eight of the Cy young voting. So if you can't go buy those guys, you have to find those guys. And can they draft and develop them? Are we going to be able to see Connor Phillips and Chase Petty emerge this year and be those guys? Can Lion Richardson stay healthy enough to be that wild card arm that might be the next guy that we've all overlooked and be Tyler Malley post Tyler Malley? And the the Lion Richardson Tyler Malley comp kind of is what sparked this because the Reds had great pitching for several years. They they really had great pitching mm -hmm. for several years. Uh, Malley was the seventh round pick. Sonny Gray they the Yankees gave away because he was so bad. Luis Castillo got given to the Reds for Dan Straley, who got given to the Reds because he wasn't very good. I missed um, the Dan Straley era. They found guys. Year. Like they they found and developed pitchers. And that's where Derek Johnson was so good for so long. Um, maybe, you know, for as much as I want them to go spend money and say, we're not going to risk this not working. We're going to spend three years and 66 million bucks and bring Sunday gray back. I would love that, but it, are we going to have to accept and trust the process a little bit more than I think we want to, after watching everything else they didn't do this year and say, you know, James Paxson's an extra year removed from Tommy John surgery. Is he the guy who might be a lot better next year than he was this year and get him on a one year mm -hmm. deal and hope it plays pays off. Um, those kind of things. When you see, the names of the teams that are super – I mean, the Cardinals came out the day but before the World Series saying, we're getting three starting pitchers next year. Mm -hmm. And this is unacceptable performance for us the way this year went. When you've got that kind of competition in the market for exactly what it is you need, uh, you can't just throw money at the problem and you've got to find an angle. And so I, I, I'm prepping myself for them leaning into – finding somebody who's a little bit dusty and dusting them off and mm -hmm. hoping one of these guys that are younger that we got a little glimpse of this past year can step up because I think that's the route they're going to go with the pitching. And um, 
Is it sexy? It's not very sexy. It's going to be even less sexy if Sonny signs with St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's that, that's where I'm kind of uh, parked at at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think the Reds have five names for their uh, their assuming health, opening day, start, and rotation. But the average um, number of starting pitchers that got re- significant time for the Major League Ball Cups last year was 10. So you have to have that depth. They lost a little bit of depth that we'll talk about here in a bit. But we we can all agree that the Reds need to add some arms in some fashion, whether it's trade or free agency. Bill, what other position groups would you like to see the Reds make a splash in? Well, if, if they if they do bring in some pitchers, it's going to push some guys that, are, that were, have been in the rotation into the bullpen, and that'll improve the bullpen. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. And and then I, you know they need some help in the outfield, uh, or else they're going to move somebody from the infield to the outfield, and pr- probably a little bit of both. I think would probably be what they'd like to do. You know, I've, I've been looking at some of the you know the online people where they say what the Reds need. I, I saw a couple of them said the Reds need catching help, and. I, I don't. I mean, I. I mean, if somebody threw a deal at him that you know it was a good deal, I don't have any problem with it. But I don't like Stevenson defensively as a catcher. But I think he's. He, you know, you're not going to have an all-star at all set at all eight positions. You know, it, it, you're just not. It, 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 of their needs, catcher would be way down the list for me. I definitely agree with that. I will say in my in my search for fun Joey Votto stats. Um, Joey Votto had a higher weighted on-base average last year than JT Real Muto. Like, if like one of the best catchers, but he's the Wick. If one of the best, if one of the best catchers out there in such a position that is so beaten down, couldn't even out hit Votto with that metric, which is a very compiled metric that is park adjusted everything else. Like, yeah, what, what do you what are you chasing behind the plate? There just aren't catchers. You got to catch pun intended, you got to catch a catcher healthy and in the right year to get drafted as a catcher. Wasn't Joe, didn't yeah. Joey catch a little bit? No. See, we'll put, we'll bring Joey back. Bring him back. Wait, we, we got to get some Joey Votto audition videos this offseason. auditioning for a job, doing the Rocky run and the Rocky workout and flipping tires in the snow, <laughs> catching again. This is an entire, Joey, if you're, if you're listening to the Riverfront podcast, which you should be, this is how you gain another million followers on social media. Uh, you you got to put in the work, buddy. But with the log. With the classic log. 80s movie training montage. Yeah. Well, put it this way. If he's healthy, it's his legs are healthy. You know, it's his shoulder mm-hmm. and the bicep and everything else. The, the legs are healthy. Squat and catch, man. There's a market. I love it. this. And lost in the whole Joey Votto's option not getting picked up <laughs> news was that they also declined the option on Kirk Casale. So now the Reds only have two catchers, and that is one too few. For a certain vintage of Reds fan, I, I would not be surprised if Kirk Casale's on the pitching staff by the well, the coaching staff on the pitching. I wouldn't side, be surprised sorry. if he's on the pitching staff. It might, it might be the pitching staff. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the coaching staff for the pitchers by the end yeah. of this offseason. season. You know, he, uh, a Vandy guy who worked with Derek Johnson extensively mm-hmm. during their time there. Big, big reason why Sonny agreed to sign the extension with mm-hmm. the Reds when Kirk got signed. Um, a tremendous mind in the game and. Um, you know, reading that the Phillies had interest in, in, in Sonny because Caleb Cottom was on the pitching staff at Vandy with Sonny as well. And the former assistant pitching coach with the, with the Phillies, uh, that, that era of, um, Vandy boy product, um, uh, proud, proud alum. I was there before they were, I'm, I'm old, but, um, that they, they are infiltrating the entire coaching system in major league baseball. And if the Reds can keep him around, 
for any role next year, I think it's a big, big perk for how they're going to yeah. be able to recruit and develop players. So. I do feel like Vandy leans into that more than just about any other school when it comes to their baseball program. They're their players like each other and their coaches. They didn't when I was there. They happened right after I graduated, so I missed it. But uh, I've been a fan of what they've done since then. Well, since Chad's not here, I will say uh, screw Vanderbilt for beating UVA in the College World Series. They got UVA got their payback, though. Um, the only other news I think is worth talking about, at least just for a second, is that uh, John Morrissey came out with a tweet. He is a, uh, a known prolific tweeter in the offseason that Jonathan India is a name on a lot of – GM's mouse that a lot of teams are calling about Jonathan India. The Reds seem not to be super motivated to lose Jonathan India, which could be accurate or could be lip service because you don't want to, you know, tick off the, I don't know, the, the loudest voice in the clubhouse. Um, for me, it just seems like if, you, if you're going to say out loud that you don't have a spot for Joey Votto on your team, do you have a spot for Jonathan India? I mean, he is worse at baseball than all of these young guys that we're so high on. I like Jonathan India. I'm a pro Jonathan India baseball fan. I love having him in a Reds uniform. I love his intangibles. I love what he does, what he seems to do in the clubhouse. Um, I think if there's an opportunity to package him with a prospect for an impactful player, it needs to be strongly, strongly considered. Bill, any thoughts on Jonathan India and his role with the 2024 Reds? My my concern is, and this has been my concern since since they didn't trade him at the trade deadline when there were so many rumors flying around then, is that the Reds severely overvalue at Jonathan India. And that's my biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, if he's here, that's fine. That means they they, they you know they, they couldn't get anybody better for him. But if he's here because the Reds are overvaluing what he brings to the ball club, then that's not a good thing, and that that would concern me. Yeah, I think that. Um... He is going to have to take a lot of reps at DH, and he's not a great hitter, which is tough. They would definitely be selling low if they got rid of Jonathan India right now, so maybe they're waiting for him to come back, look real good for a month or two, and try to find something. Or maybe there's something going on behind the scenes that makes them really want to keep him around. I don't know. Wick, what do you think? Um, For reference, uh, Jonathan India last year, 100 even OPS plus. Joey Votto, 99 OPS plus. So this is where we are offensively between these two guys who are not very good defenders. Um, The way I look at it is this. Um, The Reds need somebody who can hit right-handed and play corner outfield. They have Nick Senzel on that role right now. Nick Senzel hit left-handed pitching very well last year. Last year. Last year. Uh, Nick Senzel staying healthy is a problem. Jonathan India staying healthy has been a problem the last mm-hmm. years as well. Uh, one's got three years of team control and one's got less than that. Um, if you're looking to move on from somebody and looking to make the best team this year and potentially get some more value out of somebody who you already invested a lot of money into sign as the fifth overall pick a couple years ago. Um, I asked Jonathan India to start playing some corner outfield. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't do that. Yes, Spencer Steer immediately. You told Nick Senzel to go play center field. I don't see why telling him that you're good enough to be a big leaguer, and when you're healthy, you're pretty good. We need you to hit left-handed pitching, which you've done at times. Play left field, play right field, and you're going to be in the lineup, and you'll get plenty of plate appearances. And odds are, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a better trade chip, if that's what you want to do with him, at the midpoint of this year or the end of next year. And that's where you go. And, and I think he's a better player than Nick Senzel is and a player who can replicate what Nick Senzel is 
projected to be in that role right now. I don't know why you just that that that's what you do. And you say this is how you're gonna get in the lineup every day. And if you're hitting well, it'll work itself out. I mean, let's be honest. Uh Noel Vimarte was never supposed to be part of the 2023 Reds. He came mm-hmm. up because India was hurt, Votto was hurt, uh McLean was hurt, uh Jake Fraley was hurt. The injuries happen. You need the depth. You can't just trade everybody because they there might be somebody a little bit better at their job. You got to find ways to build the depth on the roster. Mm-hmm. For Jonathan India specifically, I think both with the Reds and going forward, if he can show he can play corner outfield here and there, he's got a lot more value personally as well. Um, and that's, that's I, the that's the point I wanted you to make. Not just yeah. as a trade chip for the Reds, but in yeah. his own free agency coming exactly. in arbitration. He's going to be yeah. able to command more. That's a great 100, point. 100%. And you do that, you get yourself in the lineup more. The more you're in the lineup, the more bases you steal, the more home runs you get, even if your rate stats don't improve tremendously. Those are the kind of things that arbitration values. It literally is it's a, it's a win-win for both sides. I think the Reds, unless they're willing to go out and overpay for a right-handed hitter who plays exclusively outfield, and there's not a lot of those guys. I mentioned Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Tommy Pham. Are you going to bring Tommy Pham back after a great postseason? Um who's 36 now, I think it just, to me, it seems like you've got the ability to build out the roster you've currently got with a guy who's a key piece fan favorite. And the fact that you've done it with steer, you did it with Jose Barrero. You did it with Nixon. You've done it with infielders before. Why, why not try that with him? And if he pushes back on it, then you learn a lot about him, whatever. But it just seems to me like there's a, there's a very easy way to solve this question up front and you sort it out and you go with it. Yeah. So. Couldn't agree more. Um, I love having that guy on this team. I love watching him play. I love his energy. Um, also shouts to him and his lovely wife. They have a kid on the way announced that recently. So that's awesome too. Um, you mentioned a name right there, Noel V. Marte. And I don't think that we've spent enough time on this podcast talking about that young fella. We love some Matt McLean and some CES and Spencer Steer and Ellie De La Cruz, but I'm not going to lie. I think there is a chance that Noel B. Marte ends up the best of the bunch. I'm not saying that's where I put all my money, but I think there's a there's a realistic chance. I he, That young fella impressed me so much in his you know brief cup of coffee last year. Um, all right, so I guess we should get some news of the week. We've already touched on a couple things here. Kirk Sally's option declines. The saddest news of all. I can't believe they didn't stop the press. I hope when this guy ends up coming back and pitching in Great American Ballpark one day, they have a, a half inning long montage playing <laughs> on the jumbotron. Ricky Karcher era has ended, at least for now. Young Ricky Karcher has elected free agency. Um, still a chance the Reds could get him back, but oh man, has there ever been a player? to play less time for the Cincinnati Reds that had a bigger impact. I <laughs> says no. I think there should be a Richard. song. There should be a song, The Legend of Ricky Karcher. The Legend of Ricky Karcher, which I, the song might be longer than his career as a Red, but yeah. Right. <laughs> I think Bill and I, need, Bill and I need to split a 12-pack of beers and write that song one night. <laughs> anyway. I would love that Ricky Karcher mic'd up uh, in a gym day role in the dugout. Uh, or just, or in the bullpen. Can we get him just in a, with a, give him a microphone and just hang out in the bullpen? I would love that. Oh my god, <laughs> too good. Uh, happy trails, Ricky Carter. Do awesome somewhere. Uh, we're gonna miss you. We will always, always look back fondly on the Ricky Carter era. 
Um, the only other notable name, in my opinion, was uh, Ben Lively did the same. I loved, loved, loved what that dude did for the Reds this year. Once again, the Reds seem to do this so many times, asking him to do more than his baseball card kind of says that he should be doing. I would have loved to have him as only rotation depth and a longer lever, even though a longer lever might be dead. I'm personally going to miss Ben Lively. Wick, you got any Ben Lively thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, up until the point where I, I get what he gave up, 12 run runs, 11, 13. The one game where they just they begged him to just stay out there yeah. and just get shelled. Uh, and he went on the injury list immediately afterwards with a, a bicep strain or whatever it was. Uh, up until that point, I, there's I, it's on the internet somewhere. I was talking about him for comeback player of the year. Yeah. Because uh, that's how good he was through 10, 11 starts to, mm-hmm. to start the season. Um, You know, uh, he is what he is. He's going to throw 90 to 92, and he's going to have to hit his spots and be right on every single day. But um, he's a guy who seems determined to want to do that after traveling all over the world to play and at 31, 32, whatever he is now. Um, I, I was impressed with what he put forth this year and not the kind of guy that you want to have to depend on. No, but if you turn to him, you do you damn well know he's going to take the ball and give you everything he's got. And that's got value in my mind. So yeah. um, I think he'll, he'll look back in the big leagues this year with somebody. Sure. I, I, I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to get, get something out of him if they need it. Yeah. I'd love to see him be one of those guys like Bill mentioned, uh, move him to the bullpen full time and see if he can carve out a role there. Um, other than that, uh, back to Joey for one quick thing. It came out that Toronto came out and said unequivocally they're interested. Not saying they're going to offer him anything, but they are kicking the tires and they're going to be in touch with him. They also said very politely, I thought they're like, we're going to give him a few days. We know this must be emotional. We're going <laughs> to let him, let him process, but we're keeping our eye on Joey Votto, a bit of a homecoming in Toronto. Bill, would Toronto be your number one choice for a, which team Joey signs with post Reds? I'll be surprised if it's anybody else. Ooh. Okay. Go on that. I think, I think they want to bring him home and I think he'll go. That would be, I mean, I would love it because they're, they're at least trying to contend next year. And my biggest fear is that he goes and toils away for, you know, the Royals or somebody like that. I want to see him go to a contender. I want to see him have a chance. There's, I mean, I, I was, um, I jumped on ESPN radio election in Kentucky this morning, and um, well, that's pretty I, cool. So there was sweet I, flex. I'm, <laughs> I'm on there every now and then. I haven't been on it anywhere in forever because the, the baby and everything else. But then back to back talking spots today. So back to back children and back to back talking spots. Back to back children talking spots and. I sound like I brought home the latest uh, cold from from uh, the Montessori school, which I did. So it's been fun to, to yap as much as I can today. I'm going to lose my voice. But what I said was I wouldn't be surprised. That I see two scenarios for Joey. Either he signs in like a week and it's with Toronto. Or he might not sign until March or mm-hmm. maybe even April. A la uh, Matt Carpenter. A la Matt Carpenter. Um, Who also – Called Joey to learn yep. how to reappraise hitting. Resuscitated his career to the tune of uh, however many dollars he's making after picking up his option after a terrible year with San Diego <laughs> this year. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Joey, who's getting an offseason to be able to hit, hit again, he couldn't hit all offseason last year. He was rehabbing. He was rehabbing two surgeries last year, um, and it took him into the season this year. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him, if it's not Toronto early, wait and impress somebody and wait for the right spot and pop up mm-hmm. again 
spring training-ish, depending on what happens with whatever inevitable injury happens to a team somewhere. Um, because I agree. I think I think he wants to play, but I don't think he's going to end up in Kansas City. I don't think he's going to pop up with uh, a, a team that's not going anywhere this year just to log 450 plate appearances. Um, and it's not about the money, obviously. It's about the opportunity. And I think Toronto presents him with that opportunity because that's a really good young club mm-hmm. um, that really needs to win this year before they blow it up. Uh, because there's a lot of players that are getting close to free agency. Um, but I could totally see him waiting for the opportunity come spring and see, oh, suddenly now, now you need a left-handed bat who looks a lot healthier than he did last year uh, and make that call as well because that's the key in all this to me. Age for me with Joey doesn't yeah, – yeah, he's older now, but it's health more than it's age yeah. because he hit the crap out of the ball when he was healthy last year. Um, I think he can still do that. He still knows what pitch is coming more often than not. And even if you have to guess a little bit, he's still good enough to where he can put a, a lot of bat on the ball. He's at 231 ISO last year. Um, he just needs to show he's healthy and he needs to find the right opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Toronto would be cool, no doubt about it. But, yeah, I just I hope it – that would be a great landing spot because there are a lot of other yeah. spots that would – It'd be really frustrating if Joey's on their roster. To be I don't want to see Joey in a Cub uniform or a Cardinal uniform. Oh. Or a Brewer uniform. Yeah. I, Brewer, I, Brewers could use a first baseman right now. I feel like fly. if he signs for another NL Central team, then that is a uh, a very silent screw you to yeah, <laughs> how the Reds yep. how yes, the Reds treat yes, I hope sir. I hope you're right, and I hope he does. If he has to wait, I prefer he doesn't have to wait. I'd like to see him in a lineup on opening day somewhere. Um, I mean, but, I will say also, if he wants to sign for like five million bucks and play for the Rockies six hundred times next hey, year, I'll, I'll roll down to the ballpark and watch him play. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting to figure out where my, my wife matches residency, so where we're going to end up living for the next several years. I'm like, can we wait and see where Joey signs before you start making these things? <laughs> <sense?" laughs> Nothing like having your priorities in order, there, Nate. That's it. It's, I'm going to be right. I'm going to be tuning in to whatever uh, to the games, whatever city he's playing in, and I just <laughs> I, I'd ask him very politely, don't make don't make me watch the Royals. I don't want to do that. Uh, moving on a little bit, we got um, the rookie of the year race went down, and neither Spencer Steer or Matt McClain got any nods. Um, I I get the Matt McClain side of things because he came up late and then missed time late. He just made me you know, maybe didn't play enough games if you want to. Hold that against him. I'm not going to blame you. Spencer Steer not making the final three was Bullshit. as legitimate of a snub as you can get. You know, typically we talk about snubs, we talk about all-star games, and there's so many deserving players that either nobody gets snubbed or 14 people got snubbed, depending on how you want to look at it. This wasn't that. Um, James Outman got in over Spencer Steer. His, his, his name is literally Outman. <laughs> okay, I'll see myself out. Sorry, that was that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, um, it was kind of garbage. I had some quick stats here, real quick. Altman hit 248 with an OPS of 790. Spencer Steer 271, OPS 820. Both players had 23 home runs, three triples, and 68 walks, which is kind of wild. Steer had more RBIs, 16 more RBIs. He had uh, 19 more or 21 more doubles. He had. 59 more total bases, 38 more hits. Altman had 42 more strikeouts, and he's not a pitcher, so that's not good. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Call it uh, market size. And Steer was a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he played everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
Steer, man, I, gosh, I love that guy so much. He's my answer to it. We all keep saying the Reds need a right-handed outfield bat. Like, do we? Yeah. Put him out there. He, Say, hey, he, he him, unlocks the entire roster. He really mm-hmm. is the skeleton key that unlocks the entire roster if he can do everything he did last year and maybe play just a little bit better defense in each of those spots, which admittedly it's a lot of it's a lot to ask when you got a guy who's carrying five gloves in his bag and you got to be good at all yeah. of those spots. Uh oftentimes using three of them in the same game. But yeah, I I Spencer Steer had a tremendous rookie year. Um I will never not think that regardless of how this voting turned out. I, I mean, Corbin Carroll's the winner and deserving, deserving yeah, sure. winner, but Spencer Steer had a tremendous rookie year and deserved to have a little bit more fanfare, I yeah. think, because and that's, that's the thing about it is that like you look up at all the rookies, the Reds brought up. I don't know. How, how many rookies played for the Reds this year? I don't even remember. 97, I think. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I thought it was 102, but I'll, I'll right. yeah. Like right. of all, he was the best of all. He was the best of all of them. Top to bottom year round, uh, defensive metrics give Matt McLean a little bit of an edge, but Spencer Steer was there from day one till mm-hmm. the end of the year and produced not just good for a rookie numbers, but good for anybody numbers. Good for a major league um, baseball player. Yeah, yeah, he was he was the he was the rock of the entire rookie class of the Reds, and this is a Reds class that's going to go down as being known as being rookies this year. So, yeah, I, I, I props to Spencer Steer for a hell of a year. How about yeah. that? He and deserves shouts- that. Shouts to Fangraphs for somehow calling that last offseason. And I thought it was yeah. ridiculous. So yeah. shows what lesson as always. I'm an idiot. Uh Steer <laughs> also is the Reds' only silver slugger silver slugger finalist. Um was it, Wick, was that you that tweeted something about silver sluggers oh, today? Joey Vodder never won a silver slugger award, so I don't care about the word anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Silver Jay, slugger is done. Did Jay Bruce win too? I think Jay Bruce That's went a one question. too. Um, and I mean, so it is what it is, but yeah. 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 So the Reds not getting a lot of love from the media of late. They also signed somebody named Jacob Heatherly. I have no comments on their signing of Jacob Heatherly because I didn't know who that was until I got on like Red Leg Nation or MLB Trade Rumors or something. So I hope he's awesome. Do y'all have any Jacob Heatherly thoughts? He I was a Red, wasn't he? He was drafted by the Reds, yeah. Yeah. He was a third round pick in 2017. Yep. All right. Yeah, he was a red nose back. Jacob Bell, we missed you. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> um before I go, one more piece of news before we get to that. Um, Craig Council uh making a uh bit of a lateral move, lateral raise, as I call it in the show notes, because you know that's a that's a that's a weightlifting joke for those out there. <laughs> Um, going from the Brewers to the Cubs, getting a $40 million deal. I saw people online laughing. It's like, ha, Craig Council's getting paid more than these seven players for the Reds next year. What a joke. Who cares? I don't know. I I, I wish he was not going to be in the NL Central next year, but he is. We got to deal with him with another franchise. So, uh, worst of luck to you, Craig Council. <laughs> Only okay. thing I took, only thing I took away from that is that the Cubs are going to spend money. They are and, going for it. Shortlisting for everybody. Cubs, Cubs are going to spend money. Cardinals want three pitchers. Brewers are the Brewers. Like, you know, buckle up. It's going to be a it's going to be a busy, busy offseason in the National League Central. And uh, if that's the case, well, yeah, you you better better be busy. Yeah. And the and the other thing, and I mentioned this to Chad a couple of weeks ago when I was on as we were signing off. Everybody is assuming that all of these young players are going to get better. 
and they're not all going to get better. Jonathan well, I mean, India didn't get better. We hope they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we hope they do. But there's a couple of these guys that, you know, what you saw this year was got what they're going to be. And, and if the Reds think that they can, they can compete in this division that's going to spend a buttload of money. Yep. Just with, with what they're going to develop inside and, and assume that guys are going to get to the major league level and continue to get better, that's not going to happen. Not all of them. Yeah, so, there's a there's a timeline in this multiverse where the Reds are a bottom two team in the NL Central next year. I don't expect that to happen, but it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Right. Jo- Jonathan Indy and Nick Lodolo had great rookie years and hadn't gotten better since then. So, you know, I hope. Yeah, I hope. A scenario could play out where um, a lot of Reds fans are going to see why we were so miffed with their decision-making at the trade deadline. You talk about and, the team that was in first place in nine games over 500 at, on August 1st and Sam Mall. Yeah. That's the team. That is the team. You know, the same team that needed all these same positions filled last offseason. Yep. And started Luke Weaver a ton. But we're trying to have a good time here, so we're going to move on a little bit. Um, Bill, I want to give you this one last thing before we get to some viewer mail. Um, <laughs> speaking of players that uh, may not play as well next year, that weirdo Gordo, old Wittenmeyer, Wittenheimer, uh, Rosenbagger, whatever his name is, for the Cincinnati Inquirer, Inquirer came out with an article saying that uh, perhaps Ellie De La Cruz should start 2024 in AAA. Billy, I don't know. That, did, did he say he should or did he say he might? I think he was that, saying that there could be an argument that he should. Yeah. It's, a, it's just nonsense. I mean, if you if you believe that this team's going to get better with these younger players, what does he have left to prove at AAA? Yeah, I thought it was nonsense. I will say mm-hmm. shout out to Gordo for um, – I don't know him like that. I hope everybody calls him Gordo or I'm just a <laughs> b-hole. I can't imagine um, they don't. <laughs> he was very much on team uh, pick up Joey's option, so I'll always yeah. give Gordon a little love for that. But the guy also uh, still hosts a Cubs podcast while being the Reds beat writer. So whatever, right. Gordo. And I, and I will say this. I, in the in – the, tail end of the season, the last quarter of the season, I got frustrated with Ellie too, especially defensively. He, sure. he looked like he wasn't concentrating to, to me. Uh, just fundamental mistakes that he was making that, that you, to me, you shouldn't be making at a big league level. And as much as Barry Larkin uh, drives me crazy, listening to him announce a ball game, he knows how to play shortstop. Yeah. And he was pointing out, you know, things that Ellie was fundamental things that Ellie was doing at shortstop that, that, now, I wonder if he ever said anything to him, you know, other than during the broadcast. But Ellie's got things to prove, as all these young guys do. But but Ellie maybe more than most because he came up and played so well early. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just have to see. You know, hopefully he, he you know, he learns and improves and gets better. And because when he's when he's Ellie, he's playing a different game than a lot of these other guys are. A hundred percent. And there were a lot of things that were trending in the right direction. The uh, that last bit of. The season last year, his swing strike rate was way uh, way down. His his um, walk rate was way up. Like things were going in the right direction. So I'm I'm not worried about Ellie De La Cruz. You shouldn't be either, Gordo. Yeah, he's got All the right. ability to be one of the best base runners in baseball and should be a plus defender. 
you live with that through the slumps and let him grow and you let him grow at the big league level. That's yeah. just, that's it. That's how it is. Yep. It's important to keep in mind that he is only 12 years old. He was 11 last season. <laughs> He'll be 12 in 2024. He had to get a hall pass so he could come to the ballpark. <laughs> no post-game beers for Ellie. Keep it easy. Take it easy on him in the uh, World Series celebration. Spray no way, Boggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's get some viewer mail questions. As always, these come from our friends and family over at patreon.com slash riverfront. Since where you two can join the family, our first question comes from Kyle Kapler. Kyle asks, how insane do you have to be to think the Reds will actually spend real money this offseason? Also, this is a wit question. What are your thoughts on banana peppers as a topping on pizza? <laughs> Wick, you are the resident uh, pizza aficionado, so you can Yo, up on this one. If it was up to me, my go-to pizza would be pepperoni and banana peppers. It's Ooh. it's 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 two toppings. I feel like if you go beyond two toppings, you end up not being able to taste any of the toppings. You just get a mush. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't taste good, but you don't get the individual flavors. You get a limp. It's, you get a limp slice too. Nobody a wants limp a limp slice. slice. No limp slice. Pepperoni banana peppers is my go-to pizza. I love it. Yes. So awesome. I, I I zoned out for the entire first part of the question. I heard I heard banana peppers and <laughs> got antsy. So that was it. Well, Wick, you actually already gave your um, opinion on the first half of that question earlier when you said you're not really expecting the Reds to go crazy in free agency. I think they'll they'll spend. I mean, I think they'll spend. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an extension for somebody. Also, yeah. I think they're willing to commit money. I just don't know if it's going to be full on in free agency again. I, I could see them doing. Um, you know, maybe a Jordan Hicks in free. I would love it. You, I would love to, it. They need power arms. You go to a couple years uh, for a reliever. Yeah, I, I could see them do that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they if we end up with uh, James Paxton or Wade Miley level free agent, somebody who's good but not the top tier. But you're hoping for the best out of them when you get them. Um, they'll spend some money. I don't think Hunter Green will be the highest paid player on the team next year. Um, but I don't anticipate them doing a ton. I, I think they'll do a little bit more than Will Myers, uh, a little bit more than Tommy Pham, but it's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tempering my expectations. I think they have committed publicly, privately. They've committed everywhere they possibly could since the last trade deadline that they're going to roll with this group. Uh, I think they're going to roll with this group. Yeah, From a mental health standpoint, tempering your expectations is probably the right move. Bill, any uh, thoughts on Dreads, still- spending habits or banana peppers? Do they still owe Junior money? This is the last year. Yeah, 2024 is the final year of Junior's he contract. May the, he may be the highest paid player on the team. I have joked before that I hope that they give him a better send-off when his contract ends than they gave Joey <laughs> uh, when his contract ended. But yes. here's, here's my question to you guys. Will the Reds' contract or team budget or salary number be as high as it was in 2021? No. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, think it's. So. I don't think it's going to be very. I don't think it's going to be very close. I think they could. I mean, they you think they'll hit hundred? You think they'll hit hundred million? No, I don't. I think they'll be about 80, 85, somewhere around there. That's what. That's yeah. where my. That's where my head was. Yeah. Which which means they're going to make some moves because I think yeah. after arbitration um, and Hunter's contract, they're expected to only be at about forty, uh, give or take. So that would mean something. I expect them to make one splash. I don't know what that's going to look like. Who that's going to be? It could be. It could even be a trade. Um, and I see them making a lot of moves around the edges, a lot of like, a lot of bullpen stuff, a lot of things that I mentioned this in our Slack channel earlier today. I think a lot of this could also be job security for Nick Crawl. Like he knows that if he just builds from within, he gets a lot longer of a rope. 
you, know, you go out there and make a bunch of splashy free agent signings and they don't work out. That's a recipe for for getting fired. And he's going to be in this position as long as he wants to, as long as he keeps uh, payroll low. So you don't, think you don't think they'll bring Mike Moustakis back on a new deal? I heard that they might start paying Bobby uh, Benilla after the Griffey contract is off the books. I, I think they're at $13.25 million this year for uh, Will Myers, Joey Votto, and Mike Moustakis' buyout, and Kirk Casale's buyout. So you factor that into the payroll, which I'm sure they will. Um sure. And you're you're at fifty three ish million bucks. I think if they get all the guys that are the top on their list, they'd be about an eighty five to ninety million dollar payroll. I think that's what they want to do. Um, but I don't think they're going to stretch past that to get the top guys on their list. And given them how much we've talked about how every other team in baseball wants starting pitching. Uh, if they're not going to be the one guy who, you know, the, the, the mystery team that comes in and swoops and, and gets the guy for the right number, they think, uh, if they settle for second options, a couple places, which it might still work out. Uh, I, I see them yeah. being no more than a 75, $80 million team. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what Kyle, anybody know, anybody know what Baltimore's was this year? Voldemort? Yeah. What was Voldemort? <laughs> the dark Lord? <laughs> They had Kyle Gibson starting opening day, I believe. I don't think it was a whole lot more than that. I mean, with that and all the other pre-arb guys they held rolled out, I mean, yeah. what, they, they, they didn't have hardly any money on the books this year. I don't yeah. like talking about the Baltimore situation because they were really, really good last year and also didn't spend much money. So right. I, I don't want the Reds to do that, so I don't and like to remind my concern, Therein lies our concern. Yeah. Yep. yep. So, Kyle, to answer your question, uh, we uh, love banana peppers on pizza. <laughs> Next question comes from Jordan Salisbury. Jordan says, gentlemen, I may have had that singular, so I assume he's talking about Bill. I don't have anything but disappointment for how Crawl handled the Joey Votto interview, talking about how the Reds had no playing time to give him. I'm beside myself with how they are treating the best since Snabbert of my lifetime. You're seriously going to give Sinzel and Barrero at bats over this Hall of Famer? Hashtag pathetic. Hashtag spend some money. I almost read that as hashtag spend so me money. I'm glad I corrected that last second. Uh, we don't need to go too heavy into this. We we spent the first 30 minutes of this episode going pretty heavy into that. Yeah, I uh, I get the decision not to pick up the option. I disagree with it, but I totally get it. But I hate the um, unceremonious nature of our goodbye to Joey Votto. Didn't even have a chance to get out and do an emergency podcast. We're with our families at 11.30 a.m. on a Freaking Saturday. <laughs> but, I do, I do want to say this though, and 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 everybody, you know, he he, pulled, he talks about uh, uh, Senzel and Barrero, and it, it, but Joey's not competing with Senzel and Barrero for 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 at bats because they don't play the same position. You know, Joey's mm -hmm. not going to go to the outfield, and Senzel's not going to play first base, and neither is Barrero unless it's an emergency. Maybe yeah. DH once in a while, you know, they'd be competing. So I don't think those are fair comparisons. Did you, I, mean, I just think he only – yeah, I agree. But I think he only brought up Barrero because Barrero's out of options. So he's going to be on the 26th man at the beginning of the season. And Barrero they're going to see if they got Barrero will not be here on opening day. He will not be a Cincinnati. I hope, I hope that's because he has an awesome spring training and they're trading for somebody. But I'm also T. Barrero. Like, I want this guy to go out and rake. What if he's a corner outfitter of the future? He's a handsome guy, that Jose Barrero. But, yeah. Um, Jordan, we – we're upset about the Joey situation as well. Next question comes from Scott Bowman. He says, 
After the quote-unquote, we don't have enough innings comments in regards to Joey Votto, why do the pundits assume that same crawl logic won't apply to a front-line starting pitcher? I fear the Reds will do very little this offseason. Thoughts? I thought this was a good question because you look at the Reds infield and say, we don't have enough innings for Joey Votto. You're like, okay, well, I get it. There's, there's a lot of good infielders. There's people that play his position, and he's not very versatile. The Reds could use that same logic by saying we have Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft and Brandon Williamson and Andrew Abbott. There's not enough innings. Why would we go out and get a front-of-the-line starter? Um, I think that's nonsense. I think we said it earlier, you need at least 10 guys. The average major league club did. And how good would this team be if um, the Brandon Williamsons and my Lord and Savior Graham Ashcraft <laughs> – had to go to the bullpen because there were dudes that were just way better than them starting. Yeah, I mean it was the same. It was the same thing they did last year. They mm-hmm. they signed Luke Weaver for two million bucks, <laughs> who'd been a reliever for three years and had never pitched more than what 120 innings, and that was five years ago with St. Louis. I'm gonna start um, treating Luke Weaver like Voldemort. Don't say his name out loud. <laughs> show back up. And they they baked on Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, all of whom spent time on the 60 day injured list, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if if that's what you want to do, and you say we're we're not going to say we have a six man rotation, but you're effectively going to have a ten man rotation because Connor Phillips is going to cycle through, and Brandon Williamson is going to cycle through, and all that. Like, uh, okay, more power to you. Like, Tampa keeps trying it, and it gets them some places, and it hasn't gotten them to the, the mountaintop yet. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, if that if that's the kind of churn that you think is going to be the way you do it. Doubling down on it for a second consecutive year after it blew up in your face last year is that's that's a thing. Um, I will we'll see, but for me, I, I think you've got to just look at just the total number of innings it takes to get through 162 game season, and know you've got to have one or two rocks you can pencil in to to take it on the chin. Otherwise, you end up with what happened to Ben Lively, who also ended up on the injured list because you didn't have anybody else to turn to, and you trusted him to get just shellacked and he got hurt in the process. Like it just, you, you gotta, you gotta do better than that. You have to do better than that. You know, last season, the Reds had zero starters who have ever made 30 starts in a major league season. And of all of their starters last year, only Graham Ashcraft has ever made 25. Go get some arms. Yeah. Get some arms. Uh, Joe Farsing's up next. Uh, Joe, host of the Bengals show here at the Riverfront, says Taylor Lautner was named as People Magazine's sexiest podcaster. I have no question. I'm just outraged at the disrespect shown towards us here at the Riverfront. You know what? I don't personally feel slighted, but I feel like you should, Bill. I don't need the notoriety, uh, you know, <laughs> magazine covers and all that. I just, I just wave that stuff. Bill Lack is only one man. He just wants to thank God. <laughs> and the saloon. <laughs> All right. Last question comes from the uh, <laughs> always eloquent Rich Thompson. Rich says, gentlemen, like many Reds fans, I was hoping that Reds management and Joey Votto would come to terms on a way to bring him back to close out his career as a Red. Church, Rich. Unfortunately, that looks like that will not be the case, or at least for now. With that said, do you ever see Joey reconnecting with the Reds? And if so, which of the following scenarios do you see as best suited for him? One, the Reds and Joey reconsider things, and Joey resigns for the 2024 season. 
Joey signs with another team, but at the end of the 2024 season, he re-signs with the Reds on a one-game contract where he can retire as a Red. Joey retires after the 2024 season and returns to the Reds as a radio TV broadcaster. After Joe, after retiring, Joey decides to go in another direction with the Reds and joins the Riverfront family where he becomes a co-host of the show. Well, let me say, I'll go first on this one. If Joey Vaughn wants to join the show. He's the primary host. He's the host. And when he, decides, when he decides to let us on, we'll happily join. Um, Wick, of those four scenarios, which do you want to see the most? I still think there's a there's a spot for him on this 2024 roster. Let's really go. Um, do I think it's going to happen? I don't. Um, but <laughs> but I would I would love for him to have a formal connection to the Reds at some point as soon as possible. I just I don't know how soon that's going to be, unfortunately. So I Debbie Downer over here, unfortunately. <laughs> Think you're right. I um I see him signing with another team, and whether it's next season or the one after retiring, and then coming back and signing that one that one day deal and retiring as a red. I think you. That's it's hard. Great. It's hard That'd to watch that video he put out there that we were talking about earlier and not think that he holds the city in such high esteem that even if he holds a little bit of resentment towards the way it all ended, which we he may or may not. Seems like he sure understood why. But it seems like he has such a great relationship and connection with his fan in this city that that would be the case. Yeah. Bill? I'm going off the board. Ooh. I, I want Joey to None come of back. None of the above. The, I want him to come back and be the Reds minor league hitting instructor when he's when he's retired. Ooh. I, I think he's got so much that he could teach. And he seems to do it well. I mean, he's done it well with the guys on the major league roster now. I think he could be a, a fountain of information. I, I, oh, God. It's impossible to disagree with that. Hi. <laughs> we got a guest. We, Hello. Have the, we have the cutest guest in the history of the Riverfront. I love it. Hey, Pickle. Well, um, Bill, I'd love to see that. I think if he was a triple-A uh, hitting coach, he could bring him on. Get in here. Who we got there? Oh, that's that's my daughter Olivia. Um, Olivia, she's a Joey Votto fan, not so much a Reds fan. Uh, I will add, I would love for Joey Votto now that he has uh, made enough money for the Reds to not afford him anymore to buy the Reds. Hey, now we're talking. There we go. Team Bob. If he realizes uh, Bill's goal of being a hitting instructor, maybe he can be the AAA hitting instructor and drive the team bus. All right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and hop out here. We'll call it a night. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Wick, before we sign off, please uh, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me at Red Reporter. I hope to get the podcast back up and going at some point in the please. near future. That, 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 that had to pause for a while as we had our, our second daughter and we moved and whatnot, but we will hope to get that back up again at some point this offseason. Uh, but find me on redreporter.com. Uh, you can read our stuff there or on Twitter at Red Reporter. It's still Twitter to me. It's it's, it's X to, to, to whoever else, but that's where you can track me down. So thank you for having me tonight, guys. It's good to get Absolutely. back off and, and, and join back up again. Thank you for coming on. And uh, everybody, go ahead and go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to uh, Walks Will Haunts because when it comes back, it's one of the best baseball podcasts out there. Bill, any final words for the for the family? Nope. That's it. All right, let's do it. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting The Riverfront. Tell your friends. Remember to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app, and you can find us on all the podcast app. We are 
at Riverfront Cincy on all those places. Once again, huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. We could not do this without you. Shout out to Adam Dunn, the birthday boy. Shouts to Lisa Alberto and Wayne Cranchicki and Eli Cash for Olivia Terrell. <laughs> you want to say bye? Bye. Uh, she said bye. There yeah. we go. <laughs> I love it. Um, four wig for Bill Lack. This is Nate Dotson saying, take it easy, Cincinnati. <laughs>